Darkness, the absence of light. We lived in the light once, briefly, but we pushed it away. Blinded by our desires, we didn't realize what we were doing. But in the end, we brought this darkness upon ourselves. It became dark for so long it becomes normal. You find yourself wondering if there ever really was a light to begin with. But as we struggled to make the best of our situation, deep down somehow we knew. We knew we were not meant to live in the dark. We were meant for more. Turn 
Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. So glad you're here with us this afternoon. Would you go ahead and stand with us? We're going to continue celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. singing some carols. We encourage you to lift up your voices in praise this morning. We're so glad you're here.
priests of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel might mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, God has chosen to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. But Mary asked the angel, How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. While Mary was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child in her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. He will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This prophecy from Isaiah 7:14 was given 700 years before Jesus was born. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. And at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled from the village of Nazareth in Galilee and took with him Mary, his wife, who was great with child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. That night, there were shepherds in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone, a Savior. Yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host from heaven, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angels left, and the shepherds said to each other, come, let us go to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. The shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard their story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem 
in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And at the same time came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star that arose and have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where do the prophets say the Messiah will be born, he asked. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judea, you're not just a lowly village of Judah, for a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. This prophecy is found in Micah 5 and verse 2 and 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2. Both were written 700 years before Jesus was born. So Herod sent a message to the wise men asking them to come and see him. And at this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. And then he told him, go to Bethlehem, search diligently for the child. And when you find him, come and tell me that I may go and worship him too. After this meeting, the wise men went on their way, and once again the star appeared to them to guide them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother were, and they fell down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it came time to leave, they went another way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother the angel said stay there until I tell you to return because Herod will try and kill the child that very night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother and they stayed there until Herod's death this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet out of Egypt have I called my son Herod was furious when he learned the wise men had outwitted him he sent soldiers to kill all the baby boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under because the wise men had told him that the star had first appeared to them about two years before. Then later, when Herod died, God's angel appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, take the child and his mother, and return to Israel. All those who wish to murder the child are dead. So Joseph obeyed. He arose and he took the child and his mother and they re-entered Israel. When he heard though that Herod's son had taken over as king in Judea, he was afraid to go there. But then Joseph was directed in a dream to go to the hills of Galilee. On arriving, he settled in the village of Nazareth, fulfilling the words of the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the story of Christmas.
God, we adore you. We adore you, Jesus. We love you. And we are here to tell you, thank you, God. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for living, for dying and resurrecting. This Christmas, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, welcome. So glad you're here and Merry Christmas to all of you. You look so festive this afternoon. You must be going to dinner soon. So that's great. My name is Mike Mead. Uh, I'm the pastor here. Hopefully I'll get a chance to meet every single one of you if I haven't already done that. And uh, I'm just glad that you've chosen to share a little bit of your holiday with us today. You know, one of the things that marks the Christmas season is the appearance of light, right? We hang it up in our homes. We put it up on, on, uh, in our trees. We have it all over the city. I mean, we live in a beautiful city, don't we, with all kinds of wonderful lights. I remember when I was five years old, the first time my dad took us, we were living in Tucson, and Tucson is pretty warm right now, not much snow, not a super Christmassy kind of place, similar to Spokane's weather right now. And we used to go to this place called Summer Haven, and it was this huge neighborhood with these pretty nice homes, big trees, which is weird for Arizona, and big trees in which they would, every single house would deck it out. I mean, they would go to the nines. They would do all, they were all in, and they would go all out. And it was beautiful. We would walk through, you could drive through, you could take a hayride through, and I remember just seeing these lights. I mean, we would just go with a strip of light across the, the porch, you know, and these people had lights everywhere. As a matter of fact, they would, they would uh, decorate the saguaro cactuses. They would take the tumbleweeds and put them in like a snowman, big one, medium, small, and then put lights all around them. I mean, it was so cool. I just remember being fascinated. And so lights to me are one of the most favorite parts of Christmas. We come down into our neighborhood and uh, it's really cool because our neighbor went all in. I mean, and I'm going to show you a picture. I took it the other night and this is, so isn't that cool? So every time we come into our neighborhood, we get to enjoy the scene of these deer and all of, the, all of the lights he put up. And it makes up for the little that I did because I just spent about 30 minutes. You know, he spent literally days putting this together. So what's with all the lights? Have you ever thought that? Like, what, what, what does that represent? Why is that such a big part of Christmas? Well, it's, it is a big part. And it's kind of the point of Christmas and the meaning of Christmas. And the, it's a theme. And it's this concept that light dispels darkness, that light came into this dark world, not just in some metaphysical way, but light, hope, breaking through into the darkness of our lives. It's unfortunate today that uh, Christmas has kind of been diluted, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's been pretty sanitized and secularized, and we've lost some of the grittiness that's really behind what it means to celebrate Christmas and what Christmas is all about. You know, I'm talking about, you know, the stuff that we tend to focus on, like elves, hot chocolate, warm fire. I love all that stuff, by the way. 
you know, and then that creepy guy that kind of slides through your chimney and spreads gifts around your house. And I mean, those are great. But if that's the main focus of a Christmas, we're missing out on what the real reason for Christmas is, why Jesus ever came. And the message can tend to get a little bit sappy, thinking, well, we just hold the, the, and treasure, you know, the Christmas spirit in our hearts, then all will be well. Is that true? I mean, it sounds awesome. But often it conflicts with our reality. My wife, when she was a little, little girl, she would literally look forward to Christmas every single year. It was the highlight, the best day of the year because her alcoholic father would choose on that day, only on that day, to not drink. And so it was uh, just a fun time. He would become this wonderful, tender, fun, affectionate person, father. Matter of fact, at midnight on Christmas Eve, he would get up on the roof and he would have sleigh bells and he would ring them and he would stomp around as if he was Santa. And all of the girls would squeal with delight and they couldn't wait for the next morning. And then, of course, the next day was wonderful because it was Christmas but the problem is, is the day after that, he would go back to drinking and then everybody would kind of get back into their normal patterns of walking on eggshells around dad because the, everybody was pretty afraid of him. Truth be told, we live in a dark world and it doesn't often matter how, how much we might enjoy one day of the year or how much we treasure a, you know, the Christmas spirit in our heart. If light doesn't break into our darkness, if a son is not born and a savior is not given, then we are without hope and without God in the world. We need something more than just positive sentiment. We need light. God sent his messengers into this world hundreds of years before Jesus arrived. One of those was Isaiah, and he was a prophet who prophesied about the coming of this light, the coming of of Jesus, 700 years before Christ came. And this is, uh, let me read you some of his words in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 1. He said, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. There will be a time in the future when the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. This is the prophecy of Isaiah, that the coming of Jesus Christ would be this great light in the midst of darkness in our world. And it's hope being prophesied. And then, of course, the famous verse that many of us know in verse 6 comes right after that, where he says, a child is born to us, a son given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That prophecy was a prophecy of the coming of this light into our darkness, proclaiming a Savior 
that he was going to come and that it was time to prepare the way for him. And when the time was just right, the light of God's love pierced through our darkness. And a bright star rose in the east and it shone over this newborn king. Jesus, born in a manger, born to a virgin, born to bridge the gap between God and men. Some of us here this afternoon, we, we know all well what it's like to have darkness in our lives, to live through a dark day. And you know that that dark day doesn't just last 24 hours. Sometimes a dark day can be a month long or it could even be a year long. And we've all experienced the darkness. We've experienced the pain of relationships breaking apart. We've experienced those days when you don't want to get up out of bed because you're so depressed. When, you're fa- when you don't want to face the world. When you see people around you that seem so happy and you think, what's wrong with me? Or the darkness of loss. Some of, some of us have lost a loved one and this Christmas they're not here with you and it's painful. Or when you feel like a failure and you just want to throw in the towel. Or you're just sick and tired of being around people. And you don't want to see anyone. It's those dark days that we all can relate to. And sometimes the truth is I find darkness in here. I find it within my own heart. Maybe some of you can relate to that. You see a person that you know you should love. And yet you have these feelings of jealousy. Or you want them to, you want to see them grovel in some way. You want to see them fail. Have you ever been there? That's darkness. Or you, or you lust after something or somebody that's off limits. Or you struggle with greed or bigotry or selfishness. We compromise the truth and we lie in order to save our own skin. I mean, if we're truthful and we look inside, we see darkness. Conversely, we... We also understand the light. And we love the light, don't don't you love light? I mean, we know the power of it. We know the immediacy of it. If you go into a room and you flip the light switch, boom, the darkness is dispelled. It doesn't matter if that room had been dark for an hour or a day or a thousand years. When you turn the light on, the darkness has to leave. There's power in light. There's immediacy in light. Ocean sailors see a lighthouse on the distant horizon and they exhale. Now they have a guiding light that will take them to safe harbor. Hikers who lose their way in the mountains, they pray for morning light to come so that they can find rescue. Guilt-ridden people come to their senses at some point and they say, you know what I need to do? I need to bring this to the light. And maybe then the shame, the weight of the shame can be released and I can experience forgiveness from another person and maybe even God himself. We understand that light is powerful. And we also know that it's more powerful than darkness. Jesus said this. He said, I have come as light to shine in the dark world. Speaking of himself, he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus didn't come just to expose my darkness or your darkness. He came to bring light into those areas, to bring freedom to addiction, 
to bring truth to where there's falsehood. He came to, to bring liberty to people captive to shame and to guilt. He came so that people would no longer have to live in darkness. And he came. Historians verify this. Jesus Christ lived a light-filled life in front of everybody, in the public arena, and it blew people away. I mean, his teachings left people speechless. His wisdom was unsurpassed. His servanthood and his humility, it rocked people to the core. They'd never seen anything like it, the inclusion, the courage, the love, the humility, Jesus hugging lepers, healing the sick, valuing children, empowering women, providing dignity to the poor. He demonstrated a light-filled life for human beings to follow, to observe. History has never seen anything like it. And then the Bible teaches he voluntarily took on the darkness, the collective darkness of the whole world, onto his own shoulders. In John's gospel, Jesus said, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. When we're without Christ, we live in the dark. We can, we can create lots of work and even achieve a lot of success. But the scripture teaches us that there's something we're missing. Jesus, the Son of God, the one that two billion people around the planet will be celebrating this Christmas. This is the only one. He is the only one that can bring light into the darkness of my life and yours. The Bible says there comes a time when each one of us, every single individual, has to go beyond just acknowledging that Jesus existed, has to go beyond just acknowledging that he's God, but has to actually invite him in to say, I need your light. I need you to forgive me for the darkness I've created. I need you, God, to be the light house in my life, guiding me into the future. 2020 is just right around the corner, right? Everybody's kind of talking about it, wondering what's going to take place in that new decade. We need a light. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and he invites us to let him be the leader into this new decade. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 tells us this about God, that he is so rich in mercy and that he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, we, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. The scripture tells us that you and I are loved unconditionally, meaning there is nothing you can do to earn his love. He will never love you any more than he does right now. And there's nothing you can do to lose his love. No matter what you do, he will continue to love you. He loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. So he works in us. 
He sends his spirit to live in us and through us, and he changes us from the inside out. It's God's powerful, passionate, and very personal love for you that brings that light into your darkness. He came, he died, and he rose again. And his love literally can change everything in your life. Forgiving your past, providing joy and peace for your present, and providing confident hope for your future. I love what the psalmist David said in Psalm 23, verse 4. He said, even though I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. That's Christmas. That's Emmanuel, God with us. That no matter what lies ahead, no matter what dark days you encounter or experience, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. He's with you. He will walk with you through it. All of the unknowns, all of the, all of the, thing, all of the things that provide, uh, kind of provoke us to fear. Have you ever been in a pitch black cave? Spelunking? And I've been in caves before where you can't even see your hand if it's this close to your face. But then if you just light a little match, boom, the whole room lights up. That's how powerful light is, and it displaces our fear. The light of Christ shining into every person whose heart is open to him. Maybe this Christmas you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like you're in a dark place. The good news is that at Christmas, Christ came as light. Light that drives out darkness. When I think about that first Christmas, it's amazing to me that the star was bright and it was in the sky. And we know about the wise men who followed that star, right? To, and and they, they followed it to, to where it remained directly over Jesus. And yet millions of people saw the star, but there were only certain people who followed him. It's one thing to know there's light in the world. It's another thing to follow that light. It's fascinating to me that when Jesus walked this earth, the people he called out, who he said were blinded, who he said walked in the dark, this may surprise you, but he called out the religious people. And he said, yeah, those who believed in God went to church, read their Bible, but had become so apathetic towards God, feeling like they had it all figured out, living by rules, becoming self-righteous. And he said, man, that's the deepest darkness. And that's a cautionary note to every single one of us that serving religion will not transform your life. God doesn't call you into a religion. He calls you into a relationship. And that's good news for every one of us, that we are called as friends of God, that we get to have a relationship with him. Religion will not forgive you. It will not transform you. It will never love you, and it will not set you free. But Jesus can. His grace, his light shines in our heart. And it 
reveals to us how far we've drifted sometimes from that first love that love that we had for God at one point in our life, and then it just becomes predictable. And even the, this, this metaphor of light and dark, for some it might be, yeah, I got all that figured out. What else you got? It's like, no, this is the gospel. God wants to bring light into your life. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with him 40 years. There's more he wants to do in you. There's light he wants to bring into the dark places of our heart releasing us from strongholds, attitudes, behaviors, hidden sins, addictions that we don't want to talk to anybody about because we think that they'll judge us. There's light provided for all people in the earth. I remember when his light impacted my own life, shined on my addictions, shined on my lying behavior, shined on the way that I acted as if I liked God, but I really loved me. And it was in that conviction and through his light shining into the areas of my heart that I realized I needed him. The scripture tells us that in the last three hours of Jesus' life, as he hung on the cross from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, the whole earth went dark, symbolizing the massive transference of sin, the sin of the world, the darkness that came from you and me, put on his shoulder in that moment, and he took the full brunt of God the Father's judgment on himself. And then he died. And three days later, when it looked like darkness had won, Jesus conquered the darkest of all human enemies, death itself. Jesus resurrected in light and in power, and he proved himself to be God's son, the savior of the world. He is the fulfillment of the prophecy that was written in Isaiah. A son was born, a savior was given. The darkness in our lives, 1 John tells us, disappears, and the new light of life in Christ shines in. There's something powerful God wants to do in your life. He wants his light to shine in, to displace the darkness, to forgive us of our sins, to set us free of those things that hold us back, and to bring us into a new future. Jesus came to be light in your darkness. No matter where you find yourself today, maybe you're in a dark time. Maybe Jesus has caught you by surprise this afternoon. You were invited. You thought, I'll just come and hear a quick message and go home and eat. And God's speaking to you. And he's revealing some things to you. And Jesus has a way of doing that. He totally caught everybody off guard 2,000 years ago when he came. People least expected it. But his call is the same on every one of our lives. It's a call to surrender, a call to ask him, Lord, bring your light into my life. And I just want to pray and ask all of us to pray together. And I want you to think of this prayer as kind of a next step. Some of you are here and you're ready. You're like, man, I am all in. I want Jesus. I know I need him in my life. 
And so I hope that this prayer will, will be that for you. And others of us, we still maybe have questions. Maybe you're here and you struggle with some doubts, and that's okay. This prayer can be a next step for you to say, God, if you're, if you're there, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Open up my eyes and help me see more clearly. We're just going to pray and we're going to ask God to do something powerful. And for those who have maybe been walking with God for some time and you're here and you're celebrating Christmas, I want to I challenge you to say, Lord, I know you're not done with me yet. Will you bring your light? Bring your truth. His light is nothing to be afraid of. His light is what sets us free. Let's pray. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? And I'm just going to pray over you and in your own words, ask you to pray as well. Heavenly Father, open my eyes. I want to see you. I want to know you. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I want to walk in your light. I want to follow you. And I know you're not done with me. Have your way in me, O oh God. I'm surrendering to you right now. And I'm willing to take whatever next steps you show me to take. And I open up my heart. I open up my hands. And I give you my life. Have all of me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you came in, you were given a candle. I'm going to invite you to take that out. Let me just tell you what this represents. That it just takes a little spark to light a flame. Maybe you pray, prayed that prayer and you, you're thinking, well, I prayed that prayer, but I'm not sure anything big happened. I didn't have a tingling go down my spine or anything. And it's like, you know what? You don't need that. That it's those steps of faith and the little thing that God does. It's like a mustard seed that grows into a, a huge tree. Don't discount that God is at work in your life doing something powerful and important that will grow over time. So we're going to light our candles and, um, and sing a song together. And as we do, I want to invite you to just be thinking about how Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He lights up our life. And then he calls us to light other people, uh, to light their candle as well, and to share that light.
you look around the room and just see how bright these candles make this space. God's call on each of us is to be that light that he first shines in us and then he gives us that light to shine out into other people's life as well. So Lord, we're praying, help us individually and collectively as a church family to be a light to our community to be a light in our families, to be a light in our marriages, to be a light with our children, to be a light in our friendships. And we know that we can't just do that on our own. We know we need you. And so we again declare our love for you and our surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming at a Christmas to save us, to love us, to dispel darkness, and to bring light. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's blow out our candles here. Before you leave, I wanted to invite you to come back uh, in January for a series we'll be doing called First things first. And as we head into a new year, including a new decade, uh, so important that we know, like, how do we live our lives intentionally? How do we live by priority? And how do we not just get caught up in the frantic craziness of going in 10 different directions? And we want to talk about what does the scripture teach us? What does the Bible say about how we can live our lives in a way that makes the biggest impact and best investment through putting first things first. God has great things in store for you and me. Well, uh, as you go today, uh, if you didn't get a family photo, make sure and grab one of those on your way out. Uh, also, I know we have cookies out there. You can drop your candles off there in the bucket on your way out, and your kids are there waiting for you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great day today.